during her law enforcement career. She witnessed and investigated numerous horrendous violent crimes against children, plus dealing with the trauma after being stampeded by a crowd. And she's coming right up on the Law Enforcement Today show. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The Law Enforcement Today Show is brought to you by 4Patriots.com. That's number 4Patriots.com. They offer the world's best survival food, the Patriot Power Generator 2000X and more. And right now, you can go to 4Patriots.com and use code LET to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store. You'll also get their famous guarantee for an entire year after your order. Plus, free shipping on orders over $97. And a portion of every sale is donated to charities who support our veterans and their families. Just go to 4Patriots.com. That's a number 4Patriots.com. Use code LET to get 10% off. Connecting with us from the great state of Texas, we have Susan Rodriguez on the phone. Susan is a retired Dallas County Sheriff's Deputy, 31 years on the job. And she's still part of the sheriff's posse which she'll explain in a moment she's author of the book from she's a county bounty from bulletproof vest to armor god and her website is susanthecop.com susan thanks for being guest on the show and thanks so much for your service all very much appreciated thank you so much appreciate you 31 years on a job that's a long time it is but i I just feel like i'm getting warmed up you feel like Uh, you're just now getting warmed up Absolutely. Isn't that crazy? Uh, I'm, yes. I, you know, they. it's there's something that is in our blood. It just doesn't go away. It just doesn't die. And so I joined the sheriff's posse, and I'm working on 45 years now carrying the same badge Wow. for Dallas County. That's, that's insane. Listen, <laughs> from, from a brother to a sister, maybe it's time to retire and find something else to do. Law enforcement is... You know, it's a young person's game, I say, because of the physical injuries, which we'll talk about yours. I got dinged up. My career was over at at the age of 33. I got retired after multiple surgeries, and I wasn't ready. But the, the, the problem is you don't really start getting good at being a cop until you got seven, eight, nine years on the job. Absolutely. About the time you get to know and get seasoned and really get good at what what you're doing, it, that's that's when the fun begins. Yeah, and uh, it's such a people job, and it, uh, people ask me all the time, and it sounds corny, and I'm going to ask you this. They said, why did you want to go to police work? I wanted to be a priest first, but I, re- I realized I didn't have the calling. The celibacy was a- an issue for me. So I went into police work because I wanted to serve and help the people in the community, and that was my honest answer. Why did you go into law enforcement? Well, I had never planned to do that. However, it was the only door that opened you, you go back then, women in law enforcement back in 1978, it was almost unheard of. There was only a handful of women. But that door opened to the academy. 
And I, I thought, well, I can e- either sit here at this clerk job and not be able to afford to pay parking at Dallas County, or I can go to the academy, go through that door. And I, I seriously really thought about it. Um, and I thought, how am I going to do this? You know, I'm five foot two and three fourths on a good day. Right. So. Yeah, I've, I've always been a big guy uh, since puberty hit. I've been a big guy, and I had the same concerns and fears. Am I big enough? Am I strong enough? Am I tough enough to do this job? And that was 1980. And I, I don't think it's unusual for women to say the same thing because of their size and stature. Oh, n- not at all. In fact, uh, but one of the females said, look, they'll train you. We have the best trainers. And I had the trainers that were the uh, motorcade escorts in the Kennedy uh, motorcade the, the day of the assassination of President Kennedy. Those were my trainers. They were actually the escorts. And they had moved to the sheriff's department. They One retirement, they go to another. And they were the best of the best. Uh, so I had they equipped me as I as I went and really uh, worked hard to to get me up to snuff. They knew I needed every everything I could get, and I I, I soaked it up like a sponge. It was really good info, and it, it carried me through today right. as we speak. See, I'm of the same era as you. I started in 1980, and in Baltimore, they 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 had probably more women than Dallas did on the job, but there still weren't mm-hmm. a lot. They were still very much a minority. One of the things that you said that I keyed in on was, hey, you know, it was either be a clerk and not be able to afford to pay parking or do this and be able to force them. I I started and I was making $13,280 a year and I was broke, so broke. I needed to have a roommate to get a horrible apartment. I can relate. I mean, I could not even afford toilet paper. And I was living in a one-room shack out in the cotton field with no running water or air conditioning or even power. Um, So I I knew it was time to to move, make a move and get into the academy and just, you know, suck it up and, and go with it. And, and it was, it was the thing to do. It was a calling like you were saying. And I'm glad you did it. I I really am. And there's so much about your story we want to talk about, but I want to get a little bit more information about Susan and, by the way, her book is called She's a County Mountie from Bulletproof Vest to Armored God. They'll give you a little bit of a hint about what Susan's about, and her website is susanthecop.com. When you say cop, well, uh, some people get offended by the term cop. I'm not one of them. If I call someone a cop, it's a compliment. If I call someone a street cop, it's the highest compliment. Well, I've been called it all. And and I've learned to grow uh, what do you, uh, just all kinds of uh, feathers and let it roll off. And uh, but the Susan the cop people started calling me that because there were so many Susans in the choir, and so they they said no no we're talking about Susan the cop. That's how you so got that how, name. That is it. Singing this, in the church choir. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not Susan who drives a Pinto. Susan the cop. Exactly. I would have never dreamed. Uh, that I would have be coined that name because That's I had other names. Name. That is such a great name. By the way, uh, I I knew there was a thing in Baltimore. You knew you arrived when you got a post, uh, and you were responsible for that post, and people started giving you a nickname on the post. Was that a thing in Dallas? Were you given a nickname? Oh, we all had nicknames. I I had many out on the beat. I was called Turbo because I you know I learned to put on handcuffs really fast. I had to. I had oh, to get absolutely. them on it quickly quickly 
we're like rapid. And and so turbo and and slick and because they use me to get the doors open um, with a blonde hair. It sometimes you know it's just easier sometimes to you know. And and I was uh, they hoisted me up into the, the attics. I was easy to get in windows. I was small. See, I was good good for something. Everybody has a a gift. Right. And uh, you know we've got our slammers, our guys that are six five plus. And then, uh, of course, I was real handy under the houses. You know, these fugitives—they just—they go where you. Uh, and uh, with the the canines, and I kind of felt like I was a bloodhound. Sniff them out. <laughs> I say that because, and I'm laughing not at you. I'm laughing because I can relate so much. Number one, my nicknames were Bigfoot because I wear a size 13 shoe, Deep Throat because of my voice. And the other one was Hoghead, because I have a really, really big head. And I was okay with all of them. I loved when people start giving nicknames, they also, and people would think that it was all adversity all the time. It wasn't. Most of our job was not locking people up. And even when we did, the very, very few of those were were hardcore dangerous criminals. However, those could mess up your, your day and your life if you weren't careful. We're talking with Susan Rodriguez. Susan is uh, 45 years in law enforcement, 31 years at Dallas County Sheriff's Office. She's author of the book, She's a County Mountie, From Bulletproof Vest to Armor of God. And her website is susanthecop.com. When we return, we're going to talk about when she was stampeded by a crowd. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Authorities are now checking our grid for vulnerabilities. They've identified nine key substations. If these substations are attacked, power could be knocked out from coast to coast for up to 18 months. Imagine a blackout lasting not days, but weeks or months. Your life would be frozen in time right at the moment the power fails. Lights all over the country would go out, throwing people into total darkness. That's why having your own solar power is more important than ever. With the new Patriot Power Generator 2000X, you get a solar generator that doesn't install into your house because it's portable. You can take it with you, even use it inside. But it's powerful enough for your phones, medical devices, or even your fridge. And right now, you can go to 4 and use code LET to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in a store, including the Patriot Power Generator. You also get their famous guarantee for an entire year after your order. Plus, free shipping on orders over $97, and a portion of every sale is donated to charities who support our veterans and their families. Just go to 4 That's the number 4 Patriots.com and use code LET to get 10% off. That's for Patriots.com. Use code LET to get yours today. Return our conversation with Susan Rodriguez. She is retired Dallas County Sheriff's Office, 31 years on a job, still on a job with a sheriff's posse, 45 years in law enforcement. She's author of the book, She's a County Mountie from Bulletproof Vest to Armor God, and her website is Susan thecop.com many of us go through lots and lots of trauma and we're going to talk about some of those things that you went through one of the things that i'm very sensitive to in my ripe old age susan is too much noise when too many people are screaming too much movement too much whatever it is i start to like i tell my wife the boss we got to get out of here I, i can't deal with it you in your experience in law enforcement, got stampeded by a crowd. Are you capable of talking about that? 
I am. It's still as fresh on my mind as it was back in 1992. This was just right after the Rodney King that happened out in L.A. So there was a lot of tensions um, amongst the police and the community. However, it was early one hot summer morning, and we we thought, well, let's just let's just go to these apartments, these kind of sleepy apartments, and um, let's just work a misdemeanor warrant. Let's just do something easy for once in the morning. I never have been a morning person. However, I knocked on the door, and it was pretty dark. It was no nobody was up. It was about seven in the morning. Sun had barely gotten up, and so uh, a male came to the door. He answered the door, and obviously he was our, our wanted person because I, I served warrants for decades. Um, so there was a lot of apprehensions. So we stepped in, and you know, I was just—I noticed he was built like a boxer, like a diamond-shaped boxer. He had like an eight-pack. He was very well built in shape. Um, and so I explained to him just really. Um, kind of low-key that, that he was going to have to go with us, that he was under arrest, you know, that we would have to take him before the judge. He had a warrant. And uh, really, I never expected this. And in a flash, he leaned back and started screaming, Mama! Just, I mean, it just sounded like a, a, the abominable snowman. It, and and it, it just, the sound, well, from the back of the dark apartment came it seemed like eight to nine kinfolks, you know, just brothers, sisters, uncles. And we were engulfed in, in like a tsunami, just didn't see it coming. And um, my partner, he's pretty good size. And I looked over at him, and he's the, one of the kids is on his back with some drumsticks. He's drumming on his back with the drumsticks real hard. Like from a drum kit or like from Thanksgiving dinner? From, from, it was drum, drums, like a bass drum and, and was really beating on his back pretty hard. And, uh, but we had so much going on and people, you know, just bouncing them off of us. But somehow uh, this, uh, our one person was able to get a hold of my wrist and it, it, it was my gun hand, which I'm right handed. Right. And I thought, oh boy! And I tried every move that you could think of, every kick, every every you know gouching, and just every move. I tried to rush him in, and it worked for a split second. But uh, boy, I, he was locked in on my wrist, so I couldn't get to anything. Couldn't get to my portable radio. Couldn't get to my gun. Couldn't get to anything that I needed. So I tried all the moves in the academy. And so what happened was. Somehow had this burst of energy because during that I I saw my family before my eyes. I mean we were engulfed with these people. We couldn't breathe. Uh, we couldn't get out from under it. And so I saw my family, my daughter flash before my eyes, and and uh, my mother just and and I had this like this supernatural energy, and I, I pushed him back. I actually rammed him back in, and it knocked him off balance. And so I was able to begin getting the cuffs on him. And um, with that last click of that wrist, because my partner is still dealing with the rest of the family over there. It was strange. Um, I was able, that last click of that handcuff, they just fell away from us. It was just, it was bizarre. And he went with us. We, we went downtown. We had to, you know, kind of. Bought him to the car and get him in the car, belted him in. Well, we got him downtown, and 
we found out later that that was a high-tension apartment. That I had not worked that beat. That was a new beat for me to work. It was a high tensions in those apartments. And the police did not go in there unless they had multiple squads. Well, we, I didn't know that. So we kind of so got had kind of like by surprise. Exactly. On a little misdemeanor warrant. What you said, and I, I, I didn't, this didn't go by me because I made a mistake many times. Mm-hmm. Man, I hope it's a quiet night. I hope nothing bad happens. Let's just do some quiet misdemeanor warrants and it'll be A-OK. There you go. And next thing you know, you're in a fight for your life. Exactly. Isn't that how it it goes a lot of times, Susan? It is. Uh, Okay, so I worked violent crime. I worked uh, felony warrants and escapes and murder, capital murders. That's what I expertise in. However, this little misdemeanor warrant just was a sidewinder. We call them sidewinders in Texas. It's a snake, you know, and and it just hit from the side. And uh, out of nowhere, we're blindsided. Here's, here's the thing it. that a lot of people don't get. When when we would serve warrants, let's just say search and seizure warrants and their drug raids, it, you, you mm-hmm. know things can go south in a hurry. So you kind of prepare and you have a game plan. You know what you're getting mm-hmm. into and you've got all, all the equipment. Then you get the, the routine, which should be a routine call for service, and it turns out it's not. You're, you're in a fight for your life. Quite often, those can be the ones that are costly. And we had an old saying, I don't know if they had it in Dallas, complacency kills. And it always kills in police work. Yes. You couldn't ever uh, relax for a second. Um, And that proved it right there that just a a little, you know, class B misdemeanor warrant um, would just about get you killed. And so, uh, did you feel like you were in a situation where. Look, th- this could go either way, and I could. Uh, this could be a life and death situation for you. Absolutely, I feared for my life, and I thought if I could ever get loose, I probably. I, I said I'll, I'll probably use deadly force, and I had spent many years uh, always figuring out a way to get around that. But this time, this time I knew that's what I would do. But you know, I couldn't get loose and I had a partner once he always said that we could all be had out there all of us it doesn't oh, matter how yeah. big how trained we had so. that saying too you could be the Ooh. world's best fighter you could be a big strong guy yeah. and someone's yes, luckier sir. or crazier than you they take a mm-hmm. shot they get you on a chin on a button it's lights out they get your gun and you're done that's it just like that and, and quite often, what a lot of people don't tend to realize is, and this is one of my main beefs when you see the headlines, police shoot unarmed man. In my situation, the, the, the suspect was unarmed at the beginning, and then he made a play for my weapon and tried shooting me while the gun was still in my hand. And wow. the one thing I can tell you, Susan, is I had the same line of thinking is you very similar i remember thinking clearly and it's i'll, I'll mm-hmm. probably remember this my dying day this guy is trying to kill me i'm gonna die but it won't be tonight and it won't be mm-hmm. because of him this is law enforcement today's show return to our conversation with susan rodriguez she's author of the book she's a county mountie from bulletproof vest armor god her website is susanthecop.com we got so much more heading your way don't go anywhere we'll be right back There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. 
We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. And if you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John, the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T Radio Show. That's John J. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L-E-T Radio Show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. Return to our conversation with Susan Rodriguez. She is retired at Dallas Sheriff's Office, 31 years on the job, still on a job with the Sheriff's Posse, 45 years in law enforcement. Her book she wrote is called She's a County Mountie from Bulletproof Vest to Armor of God. Her website is SusanTheCop.com. In your 31 years, Susan, it, it's safe to say that you encountered a lot. And, and one of the things I try to tell people is – there's certain things you can't unsee, you can't undo. Right. Uh, and I've gotten really good uh, intentionally about forgetting people's names. I don't want them occupying a single inch of space in my brain for even a moment. <laughs> However, things come up that are uninvited, unwanted, and it's memories from the past that are just like it was there. And it could be a smell, it could be a sight, it could be a sound, it could be a song. And I got to get back to where I need to be. I'm sure you went through some of those as well. Oh, I did. When you're working the front lines of Dallas, Texas, pushing back on crime, you've got a story for just about every house, especially if you've done this for decades. And I can drive through the city uh, or through the county. You know, we have 902 square miles of Dallas County, so it's a big territory. But I can – there's a story for every other house, um, and it's just – the memories come back like yesterday. And that's why I decided to write this book because I wanted to share those and in hopes that it would, you know, help people see uh, how we have to operate through uh, uh, officers' lenses, through uh, officers' right. glasses. It's not, yes. it's not what the news media puts out there. And one of the things it's I not. struggled with the most is violent crimes. I say violent crimes, not just murders and, and assaults, but sexual crimes against children. I also had a tough time when it came to the elderly or, or people who were mentally disabled and, and not able to defend themselves. I really struggled with those. And I, to be honest, I'd love people to think I'm a big tough guy. I'm not. And I still, I still think about those issues, those incidents from time to time. Oh, they do. They come back. Um, and you think about, you reevaluate over and over how you handle these situations. And at the time, we do what's best. We work in good faith, and we do what, what's best with what we have at the moment. We try. You know, we, we're just people, humans trying to right. uh, do the job to of do Superman. With, sometimes to do a superhuman job. I, I have to remind mm-hmm. myself all the time. And, and I'll be honest, you who helped me with this the most, Susan, were, were Vietnam combat veterans. Look, they would say, yes. I'm not God. I'm not Superman. I was just a guy doing the best I could at the time with what's in front of me. So some of these crimes, and a term we hear thrown about quite a bit is justice, you know, or closure. I don't know about either one of those. I I don't think they really exist. I didn't think so either, but uh, I've noticed throughout the years that there's consequences for every 
action and those consequences would play out, whether they would be in the courts with the judges and how the sentencing or it would be in prison or just, you know, somewhere down the line, there's a there's an ebb and there's a flow. I, I agree 100%. Uh, I never found anything that, that with the victims, we use homicide victims as an example, where mm-hmm. they felt closure uh, and justice was served, and all of a sudden, life is good again. That wasn't the case. It's, right. My dad died of lung cancer almost 30 years ago, and I tell people mm-hmm. to this day, it doesn't get easier. You just get more used to it. I, I think that's mm-hmm. – but as cops, you know, we try to resolve a situation. So one of the things I want to ask you about is, in particular – trauma against children you had more than your fair share of that didn't you i did matter of fact because we always had these special assignments of taking these um, prisoners on what they call a down and out out of jail um and for some reason on this case the supervisor had given us the detail of taking this man this uh, inmate prisoner who was in for capital murder he had uh gunned down his uh Uh, the mother of his baby and the baby. Okay, so we were ordered to take him to the funeral home to view the bodies. And we we were questioned the whole time. So we went, uh, you know, shackling, belly chain and leg iron, the whole bit, down and out, up the ramp, out into the the free world and, and down into the funeral home on the side door. We got him out. He was pretty quiet the whole time. Once we got inside the site, it's like you said, you want to unsee this stuff. I was, I'm still probably in shock today by the site, but it was a pinkish grayish uh, casket. Uh, the the mother of the baby was in the casket, you know, and had the satin pillows and the things like that. And I was hanging on to the prisoner because we've had too many issues um, at these funeral homes, um, and so. I looked, and there's the baby, or the toddler, actually the toddler, in the same casket with her with a storybook in his lap, and there's um, these valentines and teddy bears all kind of stationed around the two. I was, you know, I was kind of taken aback. I mean, I, I thought I'd seen it all, but you see, when you think that, you see one more thing that takes you aback. And then... To my surprise, I, the our prisoner, now he's all chained, he's jingle belling all the way, and he lurches, he lunges forward toward the the casket, and he and he yells an explicative, and calls her a name, and it's not nice, and he said, "You deserve this." I was so we pulled him back, and I was just so he was gloating. And, uh, you know, you question why these the upper echelon do the things that they do. Well, I'll never know. I don't know if they were trying to appease the family by uh, letting him go see. I don't know if they just didn't have the facts. You know, you you got to weigh everything and know that maybe they just didn't know what they were what they were ordering Say it, Susan. <laughs> Most of the yeah. time, they, they don't seem to understand the, the consequences of their actions and their decisions. Yes. I'll say it for yes, you because you can't. Thank Sometimes you. <laughs> some of these people, I, I really believe, especially with police work, when I say police, sheriffs, law enforcement, cops, you name it, 
So many of the decision makers, the shot callers, the admin, the command staff, Mm -hmm. they make their decisions Mm -hmm. based off what they call optics because they're politicians and they're afraid of how things look. Look, we don't want to look like the bad guy and leave this guy in jail and not let him go to the funeral home. Not not even taking consideration that the guy was an animal to begin with. Yes, and also it was that time uh, where tensions were really high. It was that, you know, 1991 after the Rodney King uh, incident, which was horrible. And so there, uh, things were really uh, tender at that time, and they were trying to, you know, keep the peace. But that stuff, you know how it trickles down to our front line, to us. You are sergeant yep. and out there pushing back. and uh, We just want to make sure really- that the job was done and everybody was taken care of and everybody went home. That was the, the main thing. You know, I got to ask you this because I do remember the Rodney King thing. I don't know of one cop that said, oh, that was okay. Not one. Yet when I was in Baltimore, people would, would treat me differently based off what cops in Los Angeles did. Mm-hmm. And Dallas, yes. they've gone through the things where they had multiple officers killed based off of someone's response to what somebody else did somewhere else in other part of the United States. Absolutely, I could tell that the the, the, uh, the tension, I feel it in the air, uh, just as you would get out on the streets for that uh, for to to do what we do. You knew if things were uh, upset at the top, you it, you could feel it on the street. Yeah. Yep. And they would say the tension's so thick you can cut it with a knife, and sometimes it felt like that. We are talking with Susan Rodriguez on the Law Enforcement Today show. Susan's retired at Dallas Sheriff's Office, 31 years on the job. She's still doing law enforcement as part of the Sheriff's Posse's 45 years on a job doing law enforcement. She's author of the book. She's a county mountie from bulletproof vest to armor of God. Her website is susanthecop.com. When we return, we're going to talk about the after effects of this trauma how she dealt with it, and then her book. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Lots of great things heading your way. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. One of the most frequent questions we see is, where can I find great podcasts? Do you have any suggestions? Yes, we do. So we decided to start our own podcast network on Law Enforcement Today. That's right. You can find top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and our free app. Go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and there you'll find the LET Podcast Network. We'll be adding more podcasts from first responders and more. Again, to find the Law Enforcement Today Podcast Network, go to letradioshow.com and click on the Be Heard in our menu or download our free app today at letradioshow.com. I am Meg Marie O'Rourke from Harmony with Food. Do you ever wonder what foods you should or should not be consuming based on your own unique needs? At Harmony with Food, we are now able to determine exactly what foods we should or should not be consuming through advanced testing. Test, don't guess is the motto at Harmony with Food's BioUnique Boutique program. It has never been easier than now to determine what food, drinks, and supplements you need for your individualized needs. Head over to harmonywithfood.com and click on the testing tab. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Return to our conversation with Susan Rodriguez. Uh, my name is John J. Wiley. Susan is retired Dallas Sheriff's 
deputy, 31 years on the job. She's still involved in law enforcement, working as sheriff's posse. That's 45 years on law enforcement. She wrote the book, She's a County Mountie, From Bulletproof Vest to Armor of God. That'll let you know a little bit about Susan, which we'll talk about soon. And her website is susanthecop.com. Susan, I got to ask you this. After all the things you've gone through in police work and law enforcement, uh, there there had to be a time where, like, I, how do I get back to being the kind of person I want to be in spite of all this trauma and the effects? Because I'm sure they're profound for you as well. Yes, uh, with all the, uh, through the decades of warrant service and then, of course, working at the gun range and training out there. And of course, I had a scapee out there running around and he was armed. And, uh, you know, you you got to learn to trust your instinct and, and so what I did was I wound up, I had to do something, an outlet, and, of course, it was running. I wound up running. <laughs> I ran I was like Flojo. I could, you know, run marathons or half marathons anyway. I, I took up other interests, other things that, knowing that there's life outside of the uh, the squad car, outside of, you know, the law enforcement realm. And uh, I kind of started doing the uh, tracking these uh, uh, missing uh, children, missing people, and uh, human trafficking as well. So you, you kind of get another outlet, another focus. It's, it's a great diversionary to get away from that grind, that uh, the stress, and just that mundane, that the stress that wears down, you become begin to come dull. Right. And that's where I think it's kind of dangerous. I think the exercise was huge for me. Exercise combined with prayer. And (laughs) I'm not a runner. I'll I'll, I'll say it again. I'm not a runner. I hated running in the police academy. If you are not chasing me with a gun or I'm not chasing you with a gun, I'm not running. However, when I'm at the gym, Susan, I'm the guy who doesn't talk to people. I've got headphones on, and I'm doing simple things like focusing on every breath, every repetition, and prayer. And for me, I found that that combination really slows down my brain and gets me to focus on the more positive sides of life, the things I can do something about instead of dwelling and ruminating over old bad stuff. Yes, you got to trust that there is a, a plan, and it's good. It's a good plan, and and that there are consequences, and that it'll be dealt with, it, and and that we can't control everything. However, there's a lot that we can do to stay focused and and still move ahead and be, um, you know, a, a light, and a you, good light. You made a mention, uh, and that you could run and you were a runner like Flo Joe. A lot of people don't know who Flo Joe is, especially young people now. I knew exactly what that reference was. I knew you would. Are you saying I'm old? Come on, Susan. No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but uh, it's, a, it's a matter of focus. And so I started thinking about other things, other hobbies. I played uh, guitar. Uh, there is a life outside of, again, of the, the eight to eight hours or 10 hour shift. Right. And, uh, boy, you have to shift these things and, and do something different and, and uh, let that stuff go, blow off steam. We used to go dancing. We uh, we danced on these dance floors. They were sawdust floors. They were great. You know, Texas, the yep. Longhorn yep. Ballroom. And we, us officers would get out there and line dance and just have the best time, blow off steam, 
be and ready for the next tour exactly of duty. Right. Uh, that, there's so much of, of that that I, I still like to do. Uh, the difference is, and for people who know me know this, I, I don't drink. I gave drinking alcohol like 31 years ago. But I really focus on I want to do positive things with what's left of my time. And I want I want a lot longer, to be honest with you, Susan. One of the things I wanted to do is uh, two things I thought when I was retiring from police work. I was like, one, I was going to open an Irish tavern, which I'm so glad I never did. And the second one was I was going to write the great American novel or book, which I never did because it's a lot of work. You wrote a book. Your book is called She's a County Mountie from Bulletproof Vest to Armor of God. How did you get inspired to write this book? Well, people, I kept telling people about these stories, and, and I think they just got tired of me talking. They said, you need to write a book. And so I did. I condensed probably almost 60 years in here because, you know, it goes way back. It goes back to the Kennedy assassination, that era, and it moves forward. So it's hard to condense all that, but uh, I'll tell you, it's, it's very impactful, very captivating book. It's true, true stories. But it, it was uh, really hard to get that on paper at times and, and get it, you know, proofread and get it just, just the way it was and get it said just right. Uh, yeah, it's a, it was a big project. A lot of work, I'm sure. It, was it uh, part therapy for you? I think it was. The, the stuff that I've been talking about here earlier, I was able to get it out. I think there, it's really important that to, to talk to, you know, to get it out on paper, get it out somehow, talk to people. Like you said, pray, you know, pray about it and like prayer. And so, yeah, it's very important to uh, vent. Somebody said, well, it sounds like you might have been venting. Well, probably, <laughs> probably so after all these years. And because so many times we were hushed, we were told you can't talk about this. You can't, you know, you can't, uh, you know, the upper, we could never talk to the media. We could never tell our side. So they painted uh, pictures that weren't true. So it, it tend to build up, build up in, in, in an officer, the frustration, right. the fear, the anxiety. But when, there's a way to let that stuff go. And, and right now, a lot of police still can't talk, uh, and they're not allowed to talk to the mm -hmm. media, for sure. And we right. can talk about that at length uh, in a later episode <laughs> of the show. Would you recommend to someone, hey, write a book about your story, especially, let's just say police, write a book. Knowing what you know now and how long it took you to do it, would you suggest people follow your, your lead? Oh, I, I would. I, in fact, because everybody has a story. Everybody has a message. Everybody has, and it's different. It's their own. And there's no other blueprint like, you know, you or me. There, and it's like a snowflake. There's no two alike. And it's interesting. People love stories. They love true stories. I hope everybody writes their story. Everybody's got a story, and it is important. Each word is important, the message. Um, so I would, I, I really hope that everybody would uh, write their a book. Uh, they can self-publish. Uh, you've got a computer that'll read it to you, uh, the edits, and it'll read out loud back to you. You can hear how it sounds. You could even dictate it if you want to. It's really a lot easier now than I think the, what it was with the typewriter about 50 years ago. How long did it take you from start to finish? Well, I started in 2015, although I was working with old arrest reports and things from the 80s. And uh, so, uh, but uh, 2015 is when, but I really didn't knuckle down until uh, COVID, the COVID lockdown thing. It was, uh, 
I just, uh, you know, we were all locked down, so I decided to to go ahead. And, and what happened was all I did was get in an overstuffed chair, and I got my phone and started uh, writing on my notepad with a phone. It wasn't with a pen and paper, really, not at that point. And it just flowed. It just started coming. It's like the I went back to those years, decades ago. I could, you know, it's the smells like you were talking about. You see the and hear and, you know, we had the great state fair of Texas in my beat. And I went back to the fair days where we would get our top, a lot of top tens. We, I ran on Crime Stopper tips. So we'd run on those tips and I caught one under the candy apple stand. Um, you just never know where law enforcement leads. It's like a box of chocolates. It's like you the just box don't of know. chocolates quoted in the movie. <laughs> Exactly. The name of your book is She's a County Mountie from Bulletproof Vest to Armor of God. Besides your website, which is SusanTheComp.com, is there any places where people can get it? Ingram Sparks. It's supposed to be in Barnes & Nobles and Walmarts and things soon. Not sure when. I'm working on it. Gotcha. And your website, SusanTheComp.com. Can people find out more about you, find out more about the book, get in touch with you as, as well there? Absolutely. Just shoot me an email. And I imagine you're available for for speaking and all that stuff as well, aren't you? Yes, 24-7. Awesome. Susan, I I appreciate your service, and uh, we'll talk about retiring and getting totally out of the police uh, game sometime in the future. But thanks for your service in law enforcement, and thanks for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Today Show. All very much appreciated. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.